with no further ado, I'm super excited for tonight. I'm super excited for the speaker. Um, someone I met uh, just about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago now. I don't even know how long it was. Uh, but we did a missions trip uh, to L.A., which is, you know, not very far. Uh, but we were there for a week. And, uh, and this guy spent the week with us. And I just loved uh, his heart and his heart for youth and his heart for uh, those who are hurting and those who are um, in desperate need of a Savior. And the, the key part of that is that um, we're in desperate need of a Savior too, right? And so um, I'm just really excited. I asked um, my friend Jacob to preach uh, tonight. And so could we give him an Echo Youth welcome as he makes his way up to the front? Yeah. Hey, hey. Thank you. Beautiful. Hi. How are you guys? So good? So good. Um, like he said, my name is Jacob. Um, it is such an honor um, to be here. Um, man, like uh, on the, our way down here, um, I didn't realize how far it was and yet how not far it is, right? Like as we're driving, I'm like, oh my gosh, like LA traffic is real, right? Like LA traffic is a real thing. Um, but yeah, I'm so honored to be here, so grateful to be here. Um, we're going to jump right in. So today we're going to talk about heart posture. Um, and so this is something that you learn um, or like either life teaches you this or somebody else teaches you this, right? I learned it for me. I learned it at the Dream Center. When you're around serving all the time and you're around people who serve, right, you start to see true intentions of people over time. Like that's just the truth, right? And so um, I saw a true, intent or a true intention of myself, right, that I didn't like. Um, so I don't know if you guys had heard of this. It was called One Day LA, right? Have you guys heard of this? No? Um, it was an organization that came to LA, um, and we served. Um, they had, like, 20,000 people come, um, and they, like, approached us, and they're like, hey, do you want to go to, like, um, you know, some of the projects, and, um, you know, do you guys want to, like, I don't know, go love people? And we're like, yeah, we already do that, but sure, you can come along, right? Um, it was literally what we were already doing. We were just doing a bigger version. And I remember um, getting there, and it was just like, it didn't feel like the other churches or the other groups. This is not me trying to talk bad. There was, a, there was a few of them that you could just tell they really just didn't have a heart for what we were doing, right? Um, and I remember sitting there, and I remember seeing one um, particular person. Um, he was a pastor of a church. He rolls up. He's got, like, a, this giant camera crew, um, like, following him around like paparazzi. And he's like, all right, guys, um, first let's get a shot of uh, let's go get me grilling hot dogs really quick. And so he, like, goes over, and he, like, takes a spatula from somebody, he starts cooking these hot dogs, he gets his photos, he hands a spatula back, he's like, thanks man, um, okay, now let's get one of me with a, um, with a water gun, let's go play with the kids, right, and this was hilarious, he gave the kid an empty water gun, right, and he's, he's like, so don't want to get my drip drippy, you know, um, and then he like starts shooting the kid with the water gun, right, true story, and I remember watching this and just being like, everything was for cameras, everything was for show, right, remember watching this and like scoffing and being like, man, like what the, whatever this guy's doing, man, like glad that ain't me, right? Like where's his heart? His heart posture is not in the right place. And ever so gently, um, Holy Spirit says to me, Jacob, do you now see how um, you look to me, right? And I remember just feeling so stupid, right? Do you ever feel like Holy Spirit just says something so softly and so quiet and yet so truthful that it cuts right to your heart, right? And I'm like, Oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? Like that feeling where you just feel so dumb, 
right? And so um, Holy Spirit and I started walking on this journey of heart posture, right? Like where was I at? And if we look at the word heart posture, right? Um, posture is obviously the way that you sit, the way that something sits, right? Um, and then heart, when we look at what we talk about heart posture, right? When the Bible talks about anything with the heart, um, they use the word lev, which means um, heart in Hebrew. And basically the heart was where um, your decisions were made, right? They looked at your heart as if we would look at our mind today, right? Like if I make a decision, I make it up here. Back then when they would say heart or refer to heart, they meant you were making your decisions here. Right, so it's the way that you make your decisions. It's it's where you make your decisions, right? It's the setting you make your decisions, the posture you make your decisions, heart posture, right? And Holy Spirit started going on this journey with me, right? And He started asking me questions like, "Was I just serving the youth for a stepping stone, right? Was I working with missions just so I could have a hundred new people every week tell me how good I am and how many gifts I have and how what I'm doing with my life is so great, right?" Um, was I just reading my Bible to check off a box? Was I just loving people who could only love me back or who made me look really good, right? Was I loving the, the hard people, right? The people that were hard to love. Um, was I doing everything for God and yet really was it all for myself behind the closed doors of my heart, right? Like if I was honest with myself and I sat back and I said, you know, hey, brother, hi, welcome to church, you know, what are you doing all this for? Well, I'm doing it for the Lord, brother, <laughs> brother and sister in Christ. Like if I were to be honest, right, that's that's like to the face. But if I were to be honest behind the closed doors of my, my heart, the things that I were doing were selfish. Everything, everything. Yeah, I love God. God's cool. But he also, when I serve with youth, it makes me look really good. You know what I mean? Right. Or I can use it to like I'm just being honest and transparent with you guys. This is something I walk through. I liked the attention. I liked when short-term missions groups would come out and I would preach on Mondays and they would go, oh my gosh, brother, you're so gifted. And I'd be like, yes, I am, right? You know what I mean? Like, like it made me feel good, right? And at the end of the day, that was my heart posture in any type of quote-unquote worship I did. That was my heart posture, right? And if we look at what the Bible kind of has to say about this, right? We see that in, in the kingdom of God, your why is more important than your what? In the kingdom of God, your why is more important than your what? Let me give you an example. Luke 12, verse 41 through 44, the story of the widow's might. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, hey, yo, come here, just like that. That's how I, I picture it. Jesus was Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Jesus, Jesus said, truly I tell you, the poor widow has done more, has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. See, I love this because so many times in kingdom culture, it is flipped on its head from the worldly culture. See, the world will tell you that where success is defined by how much you're doing, the tangible outcomes, what can you show me, right? Where the kingdom says, I don't care what you're doing, I care why you're doing it. See, she came with all she had. Why? Because she desired to give all she had. 
See, if she came in with the same logic as the rich men, she would have given one coin. She gave a part of her wealth, right? And yet her desire, her heart posture was to give it all to God. So she was honored, right? And yet on the flip side, the rich men came in, and even though they had an abundance to give, they only gave a partial amount. Their heart posture held on, right? Their heart posture was totally different. See, it says in the kingdom of God, it's not how much you can get or give or what you can do, but rather why you're giving it and why you're doing it in the first place. He checks our motives so quick, right? This goes not only for our money, but for our time, the way that we serve, why we pray, the way that we love. Proverbs 4.23, says, uh, the Bible says, Above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. So if you want to better your position, if you want more power, if you want to look good, if you want, right, like, it doesn't matter. You'll, your heart will show that. It'll be evident, right? But it'll only show that to you, right? Because you might stand up on stage and worship. You might be in the pews in church on Sunday, and from outside looking in, it looks good. And yet only you and God know your heart. You know why you're doing it, right? Like you do. And maybe you're doing it for good reason. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself tonight, right? Like maybe we got it figured out. Maybe Echo Youth in the Entirety has it figured out. But Jacob, it took him a while to figure this out. If you're not wondering, Jacob's me. Um, Jacob's a little stubborn, Um, right? So if we look, where your heart is located determines the posture it sits in, right? That's our second point. Where your heart is located determines the posture it sits in. See, if we can identify why we, are what we, why we are doing what we're doing, you can identify where your heart is. Matthew 6, 21 says this. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be there also. A.K.A., whatever your motivation for doing something is, that will be your reward. That'll be your reward. Right? The other day I'm scrolling um, on Instagram. I, dude, I like go from like Instagram reels to TikTok to like Twitter in like a heartbeat. Like I'm just like back and forth, right? And it's all the same videos and I don't know what makes me do this, you know? But I'm just like, oh yeah, I saw that video like three weeks ago, right? But I'm on um, Instagram reels. I'd already seen the video um, and I'm scrolling through and I'm like taking a break, honestly, while I'm writing this. I'm like, I just need to take like a mental break and I'm scrolling through and see this video, and this dad is with his, like, four- or five-year-old son, and he's, like, he has two options. He's given his son two options. He says, you can choose two fives, or you can choose 120, like, one $120 bill or two fives, right? And he's, like, which, which do you choose? And um, this, obviously, the son's, like, I want the two. And, and the dad's, like, ha, you're stupid. Like, ha, ha, you know, like, moron. Like, it's, like, he's five, dude. Like, like whatever, like, whatever, Right? But I'm watching this, and I, and I start to think to myself, when we don't know the value of something, we're easily swayed when choosing our reward. If we don't know the value of something, we are easily swayed in choosing our reward. See, I see more, and I see now. I want it more, and I want it now. And it sways my reward. It sways my reward. Right? The same way that the kids saw two bills, I see two bills, and I'm like, yeah, even though I know the other one is worth more. Even though I know the things of God are worth more, I still choose my reward so many times. What I mean by that is if you do not know the value of godly intention and what it can do for you, you will easily choose worldly reward. 
you'll easily choose worldly reward. Okay, if you don't know what it feels like to have your steps ordered by God, if you don't know what it feels like to be honored by God, if you don't know what it feels like to have a peace that only God can give, if you don't know what it feels like to have the comfort of the Holy Spirit, if you don't know a love that can't be separated by neither death nor life, neither angel or demon, then of course you would choose the emptiness of man's praise. Of course you would choose peace in this chaos, from a chaotic world. You would choose to take comfort in the wrong things and you would seek love in all the wrong places. Why? Because you don't really know what it feels like to get a godly reward. You don't know. Or if you do, you're absent-minded in choosing. Right? And I can't say I haven't lived it. It's because you've lost sight of the value of the reward of God. Man's praise ends when man dies. Kingdom praise goes on for eternity. Right? Like, I'm sorry, our jewels don't expire. They don't, right? The Bible says there's a reward in heaven for those who do good, right? And we're each, we're not based, uh, we're not judged based on, 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 our, on our bad things, right? Like we get into heaven by the blood of Jesus Christ, but we are rewarded for our good things, right? It says there's an eternal reward. And I think so many times because we can see it and because it's tangible right now, we would take man's empty praise. We would take um, we would take the, the rewards of this world, right? We would take being comfortable in something of this world. We would take peace from a chaotic world over the things of God because we lose sight so many times, right? That's why in Matthew 13, 44 through 46, Jesus tells a parable and he talks about um, a field and a man who's, who's uh, walking around. He goes into this field and he finds a treasure like it wasn't his field. He finds this treasure and he's like, well, that's worth a lot more than I got, right? And he goes back and he sells everything he has. And the Bible says that he goes back and he purchases this field because of the treasure in it. He didn't purchase the field just for fun. Like he purchased it with an intention. Why? Because he knew what the treasure was and he knew, knew what it was worth, right? And so many times we forget what the treasure is. We read that and we're like, well, what's the treasure? Jesus! <laughs> like, I'll sc- Jesus is the treasure, Right? Like, that's our reward. That's our eternal reward, right? That's our reward here. That's our reward for eternity. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And yet, so many times, we forfeit having communion, having uh, intimacy, having uh, the love of Jesus wash off. We forfeit that. Why? We forfeit it because we don't know what our reward is and our heart posture is all screwed up. Jesus is our reward. The posture of your heart typically is a litmus test of intimacy, right? And so, like, as I'm speaking, what my prayer for you guys is, is that Holy Spirit would start to speak to you, right? I don't know what areas of your life right now that you guys are, are in, right? Maybe you're on the worship team. Maybe on Sundays, right, like your parents make you come here, right? And I don't know your reason for coming here. Maybe you enjoy it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you guys come here on Sunday mornings. Whatever you're involved in, even if it's school, sports, whatever, why are you doing what you're doing? And if your heart is not in the right place, then your reward will not be in that place also. And typically when your reward is away from the thing that's supposed to be the reward, right? When your reward is away from Jesus... Jesus obviously isn't your reward anymore. And now you've lost intimacy with God, which is the whole reason why we do this. It's the whole reason we do this. We don't do it to look good. 
We don't do it because the games are fun. We don't do it because the, the seats are comfortable. We don't do it because we do it for Jesus. We do it for an intimacy, for a relationship with Jesus. And if you're not here for that, right, like, and, and I, this is something I had to say to my, if you're not here for that, why are you here? Why are you here? Check your intentions for being here, right? Um, the last story I want to look at is Luke 7, right? Um, and I will give you some context to this. I won't uh, read the whole thing. Um, but basically, Jesus is invited to a dinner by a Pharisee. And um, he gets there, and the Pharisee's name is Simon. And they're sitting around the table, and they're eating. And Simon and him are talking about God, and they're talking about, um, you know, their, the scriptures and whatnot. Um, and all of a sudden, this, uh, the Bible says a sinner, right, walks in. A sinful woman walks in. And she comes in, and she's, over, uh, she's overflowed with emotions, right? She starts weeping. She has an alabaster box, the Bible says. And uh, the Bible says that she goes up. And it was a custom that uh, servants would wash the feet of those who came into the room, right, um, um, for those who sat at the table, right? Why? Because they wore sandals, your feet would get dirty, right? And so the Bible says that she comes in and she gets on her hands and her knees and she washes Jesus' feet with her hair, right? See, in, in those times, um, the, the woman's hair was a sign of her beauty, right? And so um, when referred to as a sinful woman, that meant that she was a prostitute, right? And so all of her beauty was in her hair, was in her hair, right? And so she comes into the room and she gets on her knees, right? And she starts washing Jesus' feet, which is a very, like, if you, if you think about that, it's very symbolic, right? She's laying things down at Jesus' feet, the, the way that she earns her living, the way that, that she, right, has, like, any type of security. She's laying at Jesus' feet and she's saying, I love you, Lord, right? And she's weeping. And as she does so, Simon, the man that invited Jesus, um, sitting at the same table as Jesus, starts to ask, she's like, why are you letting her do this? What's this, right? Like, what's going on? Which, like, when I read it, I, like, at first I can't blame Simon, right? It's Simon's house. Like, old girl just walked up in. You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, what are you doing here? Why are you? But it wasn't that it was... She just walked in. It was who walked in. See, he saw her very differently than Jesus had seen her. And he starts asking her, or he starts asking Jesus, why would you let her touch you? Do you not know who she is? Why would you let her touch you? And we'll pick up right there. And it says this. I love this. Verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I got something to tell you. I love that. Like, I feel like Jesus, like, there's a few moments in the Bible where I'm like, Look, Jesus is kind of a G. Jesus answered him, Simon, I got something to tell you. I have something to tell you. He said, tell me, teacher. He tells him a parable. He says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, which is a form of money, and another 50. So clearly one is much bigger than the other. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had given the bigger debt forgiven, or had had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus said, you judged correctly. Then he turned towards the woman and said, and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, and yet she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them up with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, 
as her great love has shown. But whoever has forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among them, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love this. Why? It displays two different heart heart postures. Both at the same room, at the same table. Both sat around living fleshly Jesus. Two very different responses to Jesus. See, one said, um, this is my house, um, and we're going to run things how I run it. And um, if I don't feel like greeting you the way that you should be greeted, then like, cool, you're here for dinner. That's fine, right? And he didn't think anything of it. The other went over the top in honoring Jesus. And I want to ask you this. When it comes to your life and the decisions that you make and and the stuff that you're involved in, whether good or bad, I want to ask you, are you Simon in this situation or are you the woman? Do you invite Jesus in and make a place for him? And not just any place, but the place of honor. Do you say, Lord, my heart is yours, anything that I do, whether it's me on the worship team, whether I play for sports at school, whether I'm in drama, whether I uh, am in, in academics and I get really good grades, and, or whether I, whatever I do, God, have, pl- have your way in my heart. Have a place in my heart. Not just any place, but the place of honor. Or are you like Simon? Do you say, you'll come when I, tell, like, you, when, when I invite you in, that's when you can come. Um, and I guess make yourself at home, but um, I guess we're going to, I'll make the decisions, it's my home, Right? Because that's how Simon treated Jesus, right? You guys are in the right place, right, and doing the right things, and yet your heart might be elsewhere, and you couldn't be further from Jesus, right? You couldn't be further from his heart. You might be in the right place, sitting at the right table, and yet you might be further from the truth. See, this whole church thing, the whole Christian thing, it's not about self-gain, what can you get, but it's about keeping our hearts in the same place as a woman for the rest of our lives. It's, it's a journey. It's a journey. I go back and forth, if I'm honest with you guys. There's so many areas of my life that I have to fight to give Jesus a place of honor in, that I have to fight to put my heart in the right place, right? But it's a journey of heart posture, right? And I don't know what that looks like for you guys, right? As young people, I don't know what that looks like. But man, my prayer, my hope for you is that if you want to impact the next generation, right, as you guys are the current generation, you want to impact the next generation and you want to impact your families, your friend groups, you want, you want people around you to start getting saved, your heart has to be in the right place because your intentions will be shown so quick at the first sign of heat, right? Like the Bible talks about refining. The first sign of heat, everything that's not metal will come to the top. Everything that's not good will come to the top, Right? Um, I'm going to pray for you guys. I'd ask that you guys just bow your head really quick and then we'll invite Brett back up. But Jesus, uh, God, you're so good. Lord, I just thank you so much for being so patient with each of us, God. Lord, I thank you um, for walking with us, Holy Spirit, for taking us on a journey. Um, God, um, I will be the first one to admit my heart is not always in the right place, Lord. Um, sometimes you'll ask me to do things and I do them out of obligation, Um, Holy Spirit, sometimes you ask me to do things, and honestly, I straight up don't do them, 
right? But Lord, I just ask that you continue to be patient with each of us, God, um, that you continue to take us on this journey. Holy Spirit, that you would continue to teach us how to listen to you better. God, that we would give you the seat of honor in our lives, God. And when we make decisions, Lord, we don't base them on our own self-gain. But Holy Spirit, we look at your kingdom and we look at your kingdom come. Um, Lord, we love you so much. You're so good to each of us. In your name, amen. Amen. Give it up, everybody. Wow. It's a good word. Crazy enough, I just had somebody text me, uh, and they were like, hey, don't know if you remember me, but I went on the missions trip to L.A. with you guys, but I'm from a different church, and your live stream popped up on my YouTube, and so I started watching, and she was like, this was the message I needed, and it, and and so, th- and I don't remember where they're from. I think it's like Louisiana or something crazy like that, but, um, but I, all that to say that God is working in each and every one of us and our response to him shows where our relationship is, right? Um, and, and God has all of you here for a reason, right? That's the other thing about that is, right, someone who um, we went on a mission trip with two months ago just happened to hop online on a night where they really needed this message. And so I believe that all of you in this room just happened to be here on this specific night because God's trying to speak to you, right? And so where's our heart? Where's our heart when we go to school tomorrow? Do we flip off our, our church self and get back into being cool and doing the thing that we always do and just trying to fit in? Uh, embarrassed if I, if I showed up on your campus, would you be embarrassed that I was there? Would you be amped that I could help you win souls for Christ, right? So wh- how are we going to go into these next stages in our life, right? How, how's our heart going to be postured? So, so good. Thank you, Jacob. It was awesome. It was amazing. Uh-huh.